this is your first time at Redemption Hill, welcome. We're glad you're here. This is obviously a different kind of service. Uh, This is Good Friday, which means that tonight we're thinking about Uh, and reflecting on the cross of Jesus. Sunday, we celebrate resurrection, uh, that Jesus has defeated death, sin, Satan, and hell on our behalf. But tonight, we think and dwell and reflect upon the reality that the Son of God himself left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life that you and I could never live, uh, and thought, word, and deed, went to the cross, and died, taking on all of the wrath of God towards sin for you. That the heart of God is not one that turns away from sinners, but one that runs to sinners. And that's the best news that you and I could ever hear tonight. And so here's my one prayer for us tonight, that you and I would simply believe. We say we believe, but by God's grace, that we would believe. Jesus actually did this. He actually died to take care of all of yours and my sin for those who come to him in faith. Lord Jesus, would you help us uh, believe the simple truth tonight that you love us. You don't love us because of the cross. The cross is the demonstration, the full demonstration of your love toward your people. So God, thank you that true love is not that we've loved you, but that you loved us and sent your son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so, Holy Spirit, would you help us believe this uh, this evening? In Jesus' name, amen. There's a famous story that if you are familiar with the Bible, if you grew up in the church, uh, maybe you have heard, but it's with Jesus and Peter. Uh, The other disciples are there as well, but Jesus turns to the disciples and he asks a simple question. He says, who do the people say that I am? They've seen him do all of these miraculous things. He, he teaches differently and better than anybody else they've ever heard. And he asks them a simple question. Who, who do the people say that I am? And they start to list off all of these different things that people think about Jesus. And then Jesus looks at the disciples in the eyes and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, who we love, looks at Jesus and he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God makes this amazing declaration of who Jesus is, and he declares him rightly. And then within a couple of sentences later, Jesus begins to talk about that he is the Christ, and that as the Christ, as the Messiah, he has to go to the cross to die for the sins of his people, and Peter rebukes him. And then as a result of that rebuke, Jesus rebukes Peter. He he calls Peter Satan. Why would Jesus do that? Because at the very heart of what Uh, Peter says, at the very heart of what Peter says, uh, is a demonic thought. And here's the demonic thought, that you and I can have glory without suffering. That we can have true life without death. That we can have resurrection without crucifixion. It's, It's a demonic idea, but here's the reality for you and I tonight. True love comes and only comes through the cross. True life, not true love. True love shows you the cross. True life comes through the cross and only through the cross. One old author says, this hill, talking about the hill of Golgotha, though high I covet to ascend, the difficulty will not me offend. For I I perceive the way to life lies here. Come, pluck up heart, let's neither faint nor fear. Better though difficult, the right way to go, then wrong though easy, where the end is woe. 
So my prayer for us tonight is that you and I might simply believe afresh the love that God has for you and how that love is demonstrated perfectly in the cross of Jesus Christ. I wonder as well tonight, how many of you come in this room deeply burdened? Burdened by suffering, burdened by sin, and maybe it's not extravagant sins. Like maybe it's those what seem to be kind of everyday, moment by moment, nagging sins where we take one step forward and two steps back, one step forward and two steps back. Like I feared man over God again. I got angry and I blew up at my spouse and my child again. I gave in to temptation to watch pornography again. I chose to run to the allure of social media comparison again. I replaced the giver of good gifts with the good gifts themselves as a means of comfort again. I ran to food, I ran to alcohol, I ran to entertainment to give me the comfort that that only God can bring. And if you're being honest, many of us, I think, come in burden with the looming thought that in light of all of these things, God hates us. Maybe you wouldn't say that out loud, but I think functionally for many of us, in light of the reality of our own brokenness, we, we function this way. Maybe it's not that he hates you, Maybe it's that he's like barely putting up with you enough to get by because of what Jesus did. And so let let me read one verse to you and I'm going to try. I have 15 minutes. I want to read one verse to you and I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to simply help us believe this tonight. Second Corinthians 521 for our sake, he, God, the father made him God, the son, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's no greater news than that tonight. So what is sin? Let's break down this verse for a few minutes. What is sin? Sin is less about our actions, though it is that, and more about a heart disposition that desires God's things over God himself. It's less about the things we do and more about the disposition of our heart. So as one uh, author says, sin is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savored the faithfulness of God not trusted, the promises of God not believed, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not not cherished, the presence of God not prized, and the person of God not loved. This is what sin is. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The idea of a loving God who has wrath towards sin makes total sense to us when that involves somebody else. Injustices in the world, horrific things going on overseas. Of course, we want God to be wrathful toward that. But when the Bible points at a mirror toward us 
and reveals the reality that that exists in us. We don't like it as much. But God would not be a loving God if he weren't also a wrathful God toward evil. And so you and I desperately need rescue. We don't need to become better people. We don't need a seven-step process. We don't need another book or conference. We need rescue. What's God done then, according to the verse? He sent Jesus. God made him Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin. Jesus knew no sin prior to the cross. Jesus uh, was not merely perfect. That sound and feels too unrelatable for us uh, too, too often. But he, he, he was and is totally human, but was the first and only human to not only never sin, but to be totally unfamiliar with sin's consequences. The Bible says he is love. He is light. He is life. All opposite of sin. How do we know this? The first century eyewitnesses who knew and walked with Jesus wrote, wrote these things down. First Peter 2, Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. First John 3, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. Hebrews chapter four, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was and is without sin, but yet the text says he became sin. So what does that mean? Jesus became sin on the cross. Let me read this quote to explain this. Paul's language is careful. He did not say that Jesus became a sinner, which would be untrue. Rather, Jesus became the representative sin bearer, meaning he identified 100% with the sin of the world when he died on the cross. God the Father treated Jesus as if he were sin itself. That's what it means that Jesus became sin. He was treated by the Father as if he was sin itself. So when Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is shedding drops of blood, hey, Luke says that there were actual, uh, his pores actually burst. This is a medical condition of deep anxiety when actual blood is coming out of Jesus' body. He's not doing that because he fears Roman crucifixion. He's doing that because he knows that in a few moments, the entirety of God's wrath toward evil will be placed on him. All of the times that you and I have yelled at our children, the times we've turned away from our spouse rather than toward them in love, the times we've run to various created things to give us purpose, hope, and rest rather than the creator himself. The general disposition of our natural heart that says, God, I don't love you. I, wor- I don't want to worship and enjoy you. I want to be God. Jesus became sin. He became that. And the father treated him like that in love for you. So who is this for? Paul says, for our sake. For whose sake? Listen to this, guys. All who receive him. Any who receive him. It doesn't matter how you came in tonight. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. 
It doesn't matter the, the types of feelings and disposition you came into this room today. At this point right now, he's saying that Jesus became sin on the cross so that any who receive him would become the righteousness of God. Any who receive him. Your sin, and, and I, like, I, I feel this way often, it's just not bigger than the grace of God. You can't out the grace of God. You're not that strong and powerful and big and mighty. For our sake, all who will receive Jesus, all who will turn from sin and trust in Jesus as Savior, Lord, King, and friend, all who will open themselves up to God and let him love you, For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So what then does God declare of those who receive him through the cross? Not just that we are forgiven in the cross, though we are. Not just that we're declared not guilty because of what Jesus did on the cross, though we are. Not just that we are declared innocent, because of the cross, though we are. God declares that all who receive him are the very righteousness of God. Not more righteous, the righteousness of God, which Romans 3 says has been manifested apart from the law. So when we're going through our everyday, struggling with our own indwelling sin, we can do as the old Puritan said, and look up into the heavens And imagine Jesus there seated at the right hand of the Father and say, oh, there's my righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. So in closing, here's my question for us as we continue to sing and we get ready to take communion. Uh, Would you believe this over the way that you feel? Would you believe over the way that you feel that the word of God is true? And that the work of Christ is enough. And that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he meant it. For all of our sin. I'll close with this little dialogue between a Christian and the devil. Get back to your burdens, Exodus 5 uh, verse 4. That's what the Pharaoh said to God's people as they groaned under subhuman evil that slavery is. Get back to your burdens is also the devil's command. It is the whip he uses to keep his slaves on the plantation. It's the kingdom of oppression he is working overtime to build. It is what we used to accept because we didn't know there was an alternative. And now that we have the gospel, we fight. And here's how we do it. Christian, Jesus told me it is finished. Devil, you believe that because you're lazy. Get back to your burdens. Christian, Jesus told me it was for freedom that Christ set me free. Devil, that freedom is morally unserious. Get back to your burdens. Christian, Jesus told me he sympathizes with my weaknesses. Devil, true Christians are always victorious and strong. Get back to your burdens. Christian, devil, You don't sound to me much like Jesus. 
I'm going to free my mind of every, <clears throat> of every burden you impose to the glory of my Savior. Get back to your kennel, devil. Christian, would you simply believe the work of the cross over your feelings right now? Your burden has been taken away forever at the cross of Christ for all who would receive him. Would you receive him? If you've never received him, would you receive Jesus tonight? You tell somebody, let us celebrate that with you. If you're a Christian and you find yourself running back to your burdens over and over again to try to make yourself right with God, would you receive Jesus afresh tonight? His work is sufficient for you. I pray for us. Thank you.